Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And the shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, to them an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Father, thank you. Um, would you just draw near to us, Lord? And I pray that we would draw near to you. And um, fill our worship this morning. Amen. We are excited that the, there are some extra kiddos in here with us today. Um, a little rustling and bustling is always an enjoyable thing as we celebrate uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, before, we, before we get into what most of us would assume is a Christmas Eve sermon or story about Jesus being born, I wanted to share a little bit of history from World War I, if that's okay. Um, there's this, there's this, there's this kind of, it, it's an argued as to exactly the account and how it happened. And so this is the best I got with what information there was to assume, but but um, in World War I at the beginning, and actually just before Christmas, Pope Benedict at that time declared a, a ceasefire around the Christmas season, saying, hey, let's, let's stop this whole war thing between, between German, Germany and everyone else at that moment, and let's, let's just cause a ceasefire. Well, it was, it was rejected by, most, by, by all the powers that be and said that's not going to happen. However, we have a bunch of firsthand accounts of a number of troops that experienced a, a Christmas Eve peaceful interaction. In fact, they say some 100,000 soldiers ended up actually doing the very thing. And some of it began, so they say, like, this is how the accounts go. There's a number of different things. About 100,000 people believed to have participated in this, this legendary uh, moment. Most accounts suggest that this began with a carol singing from one side of the trenches and then being joined in. And we, we, we see this happening. And now, they also say that, that um, there are areas that this didn't happen, that people tried to do this and, and were, were shot or, or were, were taken out and their life was ended or it just kept fighting. But in a lot of the trenches, the, the trenches had gotten so close in some of them that they were like 100 feet from each other. So no man's land between the two opposing forces was 100 feet. And they, they said that like in this war, you could smell what the other soldiers were cooking at times. That's how close they were. 
Well, so they said it began with, with carols, where, where the Germans started singing a Christmas carol, and then, and then the British or French soldiers started singing a Christmas carol. And then in some areas, they said that this went from literally Christmas Eve all the way to New Year's Day, where there was no, no shooting in some of these areas. In fact, there was like impromptu soccer matches made out of made-up soccer balls. They exchanged cigarettes and drinks and, 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 and other things. In fact, they even at, at one point, like there were people holding up signs, like German, they have one picture of the, a German holding up a sign saying, you know shoot, we know shoot. And so they, they, tried, to, they tried to have this moment of, of peace. And some argued that if, if it weren't for the powers that be at that moment, that, that on the ground level, the troops really didn't want to fight. They really didn't want to do it. And so they had exchanged food, buttons, hats, uh, this, this film, it took form across the Western Front. Um, one account mentions a British soldier, soldier having his hair cut by a pre-war German barber. Another talks of a pig roast. Um, several mention, um, like I said, impromptu kickabouts. The truce was widespread but not universal. Some had not experienced that. And of course, it was only ever truly a truce and not peace because hostility began after that. They, they, millions and millions and millions of people lost their life in this war. And, and it was in the middle of this seeming hatred and anger and battle where this moment of just kind of peace happens for us, where they, they experience this, okay, we're not going to fire at each other. You're not going to fire at me. We're going we're gonna to treat each other the way that we really want to be treated. And see, as peaceful as that moment was, it wasn't really peace. It was just a truce. In fact, today it's known as the, the, truce, the Christmas Eve truce of 1914. And so you, you, you see this moment of, man, this bright spot where something can be really, really, really beautiful and awesome, but then we just kind of succumb to, well, we're supposed to be at war with each other, and this is what's supposed to happen. And see, as, as Amanda read Luke 2, the account of Jesus being born, the angels say something, and as I came to that, I couldn't, I couldn't help but being a little bit perplexed at first. It says in, in verse 14, it says, the angels came down and said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. And on earth, peace. And, you know, this, this scene setting, another bit of history that we need to understand is what's going on in the present day when Jesus is being born. Augustus is, is the one that is, is essentially at rule, and Rome has, at this point, they've taken over everything. They've won everything. In fact, they actually have, um, he was, Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, and he had literally won peace. And they, they said that the peace was on the earth because Rome finally conquered everyone. They, they, they brought peace about because they killed anyone that opposed them. They brought peace about because no one would have the strength or the ability to come against Rome. And so some, some statements happened with Augustus. One is he won all empires through a bloody war. And then he claimed that he brought justice and peace into all through that way. In fact, he, he claimed that his dead adoptive father was divine. He said that Julius Caesar was divine. And so you know what Augustus started self-proclaiming himself and others started doing? As the son of God who brings peace. And people were told that they have to look at him and say, the, the Augustus, the king of the world, he is the savior of the world. Why? Because he brought peace. But most people in that day knew the same thing that most people in World War I knew, is that this is only going to last for so long. It's just a matter of time before something else happens. And so, so why do the angels claim that peace is on earth? 
Can we, can we look at this day, this, this historic day, which probably didn't even happen necessarily around this time of year, but the day when Jesus was born and that peace is on earth as a thing similar to the truce of 1914, where we had this bright spot, and just in a moment, just in a moment, the chaos stopped, and everything stopped buzzing around, and there was this peaceful moment. And as we look at what history tells us, we would assume, well, most of us today would assume that that maybe that's exactly what was meant by the angels proclaiming peace on earth. Maybe that's exactly what was meant. Because you and I today, we experience a little lack of peace in our own selves, in our home, in our relationships, with our kids, with our work in this world. We experience all sorts of situations that remind us that there is at times little to no peace or peacefulness in our lives. And so when the angels proclaim peace, how, how, how can they actually tell us that peace is going to be here? If Jesus is identified as the Prince of Peace, the, the Isaiah verse that John read earlier, it got me thinking about it. First off is the struggle we always have when we read one part of Scripture without reading the rest of it. The angels don't promise peace on this earth the way that maybe we would see it. They don't promise peace the way maybe a, a Christmas truce looks like, where just for a moment we tolerate each other. They don't promise peace where for most of us as we hustle and bustle through the chaos of what this season means for us. They don't mean peace meaning that finally that, sun, that, that Monday morning that we get to like sit and have a cup of coffee and it's not nuts. That's not, the, that's not the peace they're talking about. In fact, the angel says peace and on earth peace and it says right here among those whom he is pleased. So as you look further into it, it's, it's, it's among those who are the children of God, can experience peace. And see, what I, when I think about our lives and what's going on, I feel like ultimately that, that, that if we're going to experience peace, then we have to understand that as the, as the heart of the children of God, then we are in a peaceful spot. That it's not just some white-knuckling truce that we have to have in the midst of the war. That you and I don't have to experience crazy, crazy anxiety or fear anymore that you and I can experience this peace that the angels proclaim because Jesus came to earth. He left his throne and came as a baby so he could live a perfect life only to be sacrificed for you and I. And those of us that confess and believe can now live inside of that peace. In fact, it's a peace that is not momentary at all. It's a peace that breaks through all anxiety, fear, and turmoil. It's a peace that the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, that it surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that we see um, is, is, is final. The coming of Jesus would bring peace to all of God's people that would one day fill the earth. We see that in Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 9, Habakkuk 2, 14. There will be no end of this peace, Isaiah 9, 7. So how do we live in light of that peace? How do we experience that peace? How do we let ourselves not be taken by the wars that are surrounding us? How do we keep ourselves from running without peace? This is why God sent Jesus to be born, to live and to die, so that the conflict we, that was created with God through our sin would be taken out of the way. And Jesus took the punishment of that. We see that in Romans 5, 1. And that if any one of us, whether you're a kid or an adult, if any one of us confess him as Lord and Savior, Romans 10, 9, then we can experience a peace that makes no sense, like the Apostle Paul tells us. But it's not a peace it's just a really cool story of history. 
It's not a peace that we can just experience around this time of year because we remember just for a moment that Jesus did something for us profoundly beautiful. It's a, it's a peace that's everlasting. And so that begs the question, how many of us are still wrestling with that? How many of you today would say that like you did not wake up with peace? Getting here to church was not peaceful. Thinking about the holiday season, thinking about what you have to do with in-laws or, or family or anything else, you're going, there is not going to be peace in that. Thinking about having to pay for all the things you, you bought, realizing just how unpeaceful that will be. It got me thinking, I realized something. I realized that we've, we've allowed ourselves to get distracted by so many different things that we've forgotten the very, very basic and most principled thing about this time, which is that there is no hidden secret to us holding on to that peace. Our peace is entirely in Christ. I don't have to white knuckle that. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to work harder to experience it. By submitting my life to Jesus, I am now sitting and resting in that peace. Yes, there are going to be moments like the Apostle Paul where we're literally going to have to cast all our anxieties on him because they will be present. We're going to have to focus on whatever is worthy and good and true so that we can experience that peace on a day-to-day basis. But when the angels proclaim peace on earth, he's not saying, they're not saying, they're not singing, okay, from now on there will be no war, although that will happen, but that's Jesus' second coming. They're saying those that submit their lives to Jesus Christ, those that have experienced him as Lord and Savior, can walk and live and breathe and wake up and make it through the dinners and the presents and everything else around the season with an overwhelming sense of peace. Not some cheap, fake truce that only lasts for a little while, but a peace that shakes us at the core. A peace that takes away the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the turmoil of this world. A peace that doesn't remove you from this world, but allows you to live in this world with hope. A peace that doesn't doesn't take away the painfulness of sin, but allows you to understand what the forgiveness and the grace and the redemption can come through sin. A peace that doesn't change really a lot of our circumstances other than it changes our focus and what we put our hope and trust in. In John 14, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then he says, It's peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. That is so key right there, guys. Jesus does not give to us as the world gives because if the world gives us peace, it's only momentary. It's something that can be taken away by just another unpeaceful act of war, another, another frustrated, sinful person making a poor choice. But when Jesus says, I give you peace, and it says, I give to you not as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, for my peace is with you. Maybe this Christmas Eve, all you need to remember or hear is that your hearts are not meant to be troubled. Maybe what you need to hear is that you don't need to fear anything anymore. You don't need to fear what man can or can't do to you because you have an advocate for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe what you need to hear is you need to stop worrying about whether or not this world experiences peace and let yourself rest in the peace that you already have in Jesus Christ and be a proponent of that peace. Some of you, this means that there's going to be radical transformations needed in your marriage. 
You're going to have to stop succumbing to the, the sinfulness of our, of our flesh and rest in the peace that comes through Jesus Christ actually indwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Some of you, this means that you've got to stop looking to this world to give you a peace that it cannot give you. You've got to stop allowing the darkness and the troubles of this world to take away and bring and instill some kind of fear in you as if at any moment you might be lost. For some of us, what it means, we just need to stop letting ourselves be so distracted by anything and everything and just rest in the peace. I give you, I give you permission this, this day to just rest, to know that every single bit of anxiety you feel does not, does not change anything for you, for the better. It doesn't do anything but help make your hair grayer and, and, and take time off of your, your day. Your anxiety brings nothing to you. But the peace of Jesus Christ is better than any other gift you'll ever open. It's better than anything anyone can give you. And even if for just a moment in our history there seems to be truces, we can't put our hope in those truces. Our only hope is that Jesus Christ will come again as he came the first time and as we celebrate him and the peace he brings. So would you let peace rule your heart? Not, it's worth it. You should do it. You know what he said, but most of us probably feel right now, right? It's like, there's just no way this happening. That's a hypothetical thing. Out of the mouth of babes, truth right there. Take a lesson, adults. Let's be a little bit more real. Here, here's, the, the, the truth is this. The truth is this, guys, is, is that even when I talk about peace, even when I talk about Christmas Eve, most of us showed up today with what we already have to do later today, with expectations of what would be said today, and we've just kind of let ourselves check out. Now, I can tell you one thing. Maybe for us, that doesn't make sense, but if you're a German or British or French soldier in the trenches and it's freezing cold, and all of a sudden you hear a melody of a song that you're very familiar with, from someone that you were shooting at just days before, I kind of feel like that might shake you a little bit. We should be just as shaken by the fact that Jesus came to this earth to dwell in a human form. We should be just as shaken by just how much God has done for us to take us out of our war and bring about peace and hope and truth. So would you rest in peace? Would you be relentless about standing firm in peace? Would you give as much time to experiencing the surpassing our understanding peace that Christ gives us as you do in every other thing that causes anxiety? Would you stop accepting the fact that there will be no peace in your marriage or no peace in your extended family or no peace around you? Would you stop believing the lie that God's peace can't actually break in through you would you stop believing the lie that God's peace can't actually take away your depression? We have given ourselves so much to this world. And Jesus is saying, you're not of this world, you're of me. Let my peace be with you. Let, let my spirit work in you. Believe in the power of me because I did everything necessary to solve all issues where there is no need for truce in your heart anymore. You already have peace. You don't need a truce you have peace. And so whether you're really, really young or whether you're, you've seasoned for a long life, there is still peace to be had. And it is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I, 
I've been to a Christmas Eve service every year faithfully, and I hear about this story about how God somehow comes in some little baby form and in a manger and all these other things, and, and I, I keep hearing this over and over and over again, but I just can't land there. I'm not sure I believe that it's true. Well, let me just leave you with this, and I don't, I don't mean this in any kind of harsh way or, 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 or I don't want to be confrontational with this, but let me just leave you with this. Have you ever truly experienced peace? See, because my, my bet is this, is most people in here would, have a, <laughs> would agree with a two-year-old boy. No, right? No, I haven't experienced peace. What, what breaks my heart is that those of us who are in Christ, we have. We haven't just experienced it, we've tasted it, we live in it, we have it. It is ours to be present in. For those of you that continue to show up for Christmas Eve services or go to church periodically or you just like the idea of Jesus, you like the idea of people singing together and everyone just seems to be a little bit nicer this time of year, you're, you're kind of living in the trenches of World War I where you'll experience a moment of truce and joy, but it's right back to the war in a couple weeks. And I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I'd plead with you to stop looking for peace or hope in anything but Christ. There is no peace, no hope, nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And my bet is, my assumption is, the reason why you're here is because someone you love believes that very truth. The reason why you came with them is because someone you love believes that very truth. I, I dare you, I dare you to ask that person that you love to explain that peace to you and actually listen. I dare you to open your heart to the very thing that you're very intrigued by. And I dare you to live as a son adopted by a king or a daughter adopted by a king that can experience true peace that surpasses all understanding. The, the band's going to come up and we're going to spend a good amount of time singing. In just a moment, we're going to do communion. I'll come back up and explain that. But, but I want to encourage you a couple things. As we, as we sing, as we as we worship God, as we go to take communion, as we maybe leave here and head home and maybe do your one gift tonight or as you get ready for tomorrow, I want to I encourage you to do one thing. I want to I encourage you to see where the peace you're coming, where, you're, where the, the peace that you have, where it's coming from. Because if it's in anything other than Christ, it's just truce and it's just momentary. And you'll experience that, that eggnog coma or that, that Christmas day coma where everything sets back into reality. The day's gone. Back to the normal life. It does not have to be that way. Your hope and your joy and your peace does not have to be resting on whether or not your family works or whether or not you get the right gift or whether or not you achieve the right things. Your hope and your peace and your joy can be founded in someone that has already done absolutely everything necessary for you and I to be standing in a right relationship with God. All we have to do is submit ourselves to him as King and Lord and rest in his peace. Father, I pray that you would give us peace. Lord, actually, I thank you that you've given us peace. I pray that you would help us rest in your peace. Father, I pray that you would help every single child in here to see a, a parent or a family member or a friend that is experiencing the peace that surpasses all understand, understanding in Jesus Christ. I pray for every single individual in this room, God. I pray that they would leave here not with a happy feeling, but with a true joy that only comes in resting in your peace. 
God, I pray that every single person in here would no longer try to hold on to fear or anxiety or turmoil, would no longer try to white-knuckle peace, but instead would just rest in you and the promise that you bring peace and you give it and you don't give it to us the way the world does, Lord. And Father, I pray that as we, as we sing, as we worship, as we go expend time with families, God, I pray that you do a miracle. If, if, if we're dreading time with family, Lord, I pray that you do a miracle in the relationship there. I pray the gospel would break in even in that dynamic. And Father, for, for, for everyone that's excited about what tomorrow brings, God, may we never, ever, ever lose sight of what it really means to have peace on earth in Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are powerful and beautiful and amazing. You took what we all deserved on the cross. You did what none of us could through a perfect life so that we could experience the fruit and the joy and the, the, the reward of a perfect life that upheld the law and be free of the wrath of God because of your sacrifice for us. So it's in, in your name, Jesus, we pray. It's in your name, Jesus, we sing. And say, in your name we bring glory. Amen.